1: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
2: If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta Sky Miles business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park.
1: Yellowstone? Check.
2: Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta SkyMile's Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply visit go.amic slash you know business.
0: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block.
1: What is happening? Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, the morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollack. Today, we are going to talk about the Miami Marlins starting rotation. Yes, I did say first pitch. I wanted to do my first uh, plus pitch of these rotations, a part of the First Pitch Podcast, because if you're subscribed to the First Pitch Podcast, you should be subscribed to the Plus Pitch Podcast. That is my daily morning pitching podcast here at PitcherList. Uh, in season, I go over every single pitching performance, really in-depth, and of course, these streamers for that day. But in the offseason, what I am doing, and we'll be pushing these out to all the First Pitch Podcasts as well, is I'm going over all of the starting rotations for every single fantasy baseball team. So Sorry, for every single major league team for the next, I think, two months or something like that. So every single weekday morning, you should be expecting a new one. And the first one that we are going to do is the Miami Marlins. You can also... Go to playback.tv slash pitcherlist every weekday morning at 11 a.m. I think it's going to be 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. I'm finding I need more time to do these than just two hours. Where I'll be writing my top 300 blurbs for them and watching these players with all of you. So if you want to see how I break down players, if you have two cents that you want to get on these these players, if there's a a team that you're really looking forward to, your Tigers, your Mariners, etc., uh, ask me, I'll let you know what day I will be doing that team and come on by. It's completely free. Um, and we get to watch baseball together and know my process, but we're going to go through this team right now. And of course we got to start with Yuri Perez. I have him inside my top 20 for next year. And I'll be honest. I think if he is the same guy in 2024 that we saw this year, we should be a little bit disappointed. Um, I think his four-seam needs to be slightly different. It had a high strike rate, over 70%, but Perez's ICR, that is Ideal Contact Rate, when contact was made to right-handers was over 50%. That is terrifying. When I see pitches over a 40% mark, I'm like, ah, oh, dang it, that's not very good. I love seeing fastballs around 35% or so. If it's underneath 30, that's insane. Uh, the best breaking balls, I think, are... Underneath 30%, I don't really think I've seen a sub 20% ICR on any pitch. Uh, but seeing under 30% is like good, good stuff. 35% in higher for a secondary is like okay. Four seamer, I love to see 35%, but seeing 50% against right handers is really shocking for Yuri Perry's four seamer. So, why is that? I think it's because he doesn't elevate it. The shape of it is amazing. I believe Enosiris's stuff plus has it as a f- as top five. And PLV loves it as well, but and it's because of that stuff is just overwhelming with it, with the locations I think not being ideal. Also, I think Yuri being a little bit younger relied a little too much on those fastballs to get his strikes. His slider and his curveball are so hard to hit and they have giant whiff rates and swing strike rates. And when they when contact is made, it's really good for Yuri but they aren't these big strike pitches. Uh, the curveball was like a 56% strike rate. The slider is about 61. Those need to be 65-60 respectively, right? Or actually reverse that. 60 on the on the curveball are higher and then 65% on the slider higher. If those can get there, I think we might actually see the four-seamer come down in strike rate. I think it's kind of the George Kirby problem a little bit of uh, that four-seamer needing to be elevated more and not just kind of give in. Two inside the zone for a strike, but I think that relies that needs um that requires Yuri Perez's secondaries to get more strikes before two strikes uh first. He's super young though, right? And a uh, 15th percentile and high location on four seamers could be adjusted. Is that a thing that the Marlins do? I don't know. I did start to see it, though, with Luzardo. I started to see it with Trevor Rogers, even in the short amount of time that we saw with him. Sandy Alcantara started to emphasize it a little bit. I think over time, Yuri Perez can get there. And if he does, I mean, I don't want him to be an east-west pitcher. I want him to be a north-south one. And Yuri Perez could be easily a top-ten pitcher. I think we all know the potential is there. The velocity is there. The shape of the fastball is there. The two breaking balls are there. The changeup is terrible. It's so often out of the zone. Um, but, yeah, it, it just that... Uh, doesn't feel right for that four-seamer to be a 10% and change swing strike rate pitch. That should be like a 15% one, especially if the highlight gets there. So I think that can happen. I don't want to assume that it will. That's the only thing I really want to implore everybody is with these young pitchers, I need to bake in some development, but understand that there is generally a lower floor than your, than your standard guy because we just don't know if they will take that next step. The best example I can give you is Logan Gilbert entering this year, uh, entering 2023. We thought we liked the fastball. Is he going to get the slider? And it didn't go right. You know, it uh, the slider showed up, but the forcing seamer didn't, right? So we don't quite know where the development will come and when when it will come. But uh, Yuri Paris, to me at the very least, like has a higher floor than others. And uh, I'm excited for it. I feel as if, if it doesn't go right, it's still going to be a guy you want to roster in your twelve teamers. So, uh, because of that, and with that top ten, uh, top five, honestly, upside, um, I'm going to be chasing Yuri Perez in many places. Am I going to be going after Jesus Lizardo though? Um, it's kind of tough. He had a 2.94 ERA and a one oh seven WHIP with a 30% strikeout rate across a 15 game stretch in uh, in 2023. It was like May to the end of uh, July, which is just insane. I mean, it was so so good, and then it kind of fell apart. And there are a couple things that are slightly red flags to me. One is that because he has such good four seamer command, it has steered him well. He does the seven as a lefty, those high four seamers inside righties. I don't know why I call the seven if I have to say that every single time, but still, I'll eventually get there. Um, it's not a high swing strike rate pitch, and I think that its shape is not that great. So he squeezed as much as he could out of it last year. There's also the changeup that is uh, is great. Um, he doesn't quite utilize it as much as I think he should. And by the way, that forcing were sub 10% swing strike rate is just like, what is going on? Um, the slider, oh man, slider had a near 500 BABIP. 517 bacon, 494 babbitt. What? I mean, that's not going to last, right? Well, it's ICR. Remember what I was saying before about like breaking balls. I want them to be underneath 30% and like 35%. Is, like fine, I guess. 48% ICR is so bad. That means when batters hit it, they get a good result. That is like good contact for them 48% of the time. This is more than just like barrel rate or hard hit rate. This is actually saying like, no, there are other ways that batters hit the ball that are beneficial to them. And 40% is really bad. That's sixth percentile among all sliders. You can't do that. So he had an 8.2 hit per nine in 2023. Um, it was a 6.2 mark in 22. So that's a two hit gap. And that's why you had like a 121 whip for uh, Luzardo for the entire year. That, to me, is the big change. It's like, okay, is he going to get better with that slider over the plate? Are we going to be able to trust that fastball location again? And are the changeups going to be either the same or maybe better? I don't know. We saw stretches where I was good, as I mentioned before, that 15-game stretch. It's about consistency with him. And it's also about health. It was 32 starts this past year for Luzardo, which was phenomenal. That's why he had over 200 strikeouts at 30% strikeout rate. However, he never went over 100 in the majors beforehand, right? So, I mean, it was about 100 and change in 2022. It was a big, big question mark entering this year. That's why I ha- I am at 31 in my ranks and fast at I'm past 60. It was a big, big back and forth for us for the entire year. That was the reason why. So, uh, I'm glad to see that he has the health, but you never really know if just one season means he's going to be avoiding um the same things they had before, right? It's I I'm so again I'm back and forth on Lozardo. I can also see a scenario where the hits are still elevated and the fastball command gets worse and the floor is worse than I want it to be um, for Lozardo. And I have him right right now is like 24 I think at the end of the year. I think I'm gonna be a little bit lower um in uh my top 300 that you'll see in February. It's gonna be closer to 30 because of that. It's a big range for Luzardo, and uh, the fastball velocity was a little slower. It was like 96 as opposed to flirty with 97 that we saw in 2022. It just kind of all sums up to being like, yeah, Nikki, you're probably not going to see more of the good and probably more of the bad next year. So I'm probably going to be drafting someone else over Luzardo. Um, We're going to talk about the rest of the Marlins rotation. Uh, I actually have some, I think there's a lot of things to go over. There are six guys, believe it or not, we're going to do. Uh, Braxton Garrett, Edward Cabrera, Max Meyer, Trevor Rogers. I mean, Sandy Alcatar, not really, and Ryan Weathers. Um, And if there is a free agent signing, you'll hear them at the end of this podcast. Uh, But we're going to talk about all of that after this break. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef prepared dietitian dietician-approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. I've personally used Factor and enjoyed their filling quick-to-prepare meals that fit in well among my busy schedule. And skip the stress of meal prepping over the holidays with Factor. Choose from 35-plus weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all delivered right to your door and ready to eat in two minutes. So head to factormeals.com slash firstpitch50 and use code firstpitch50 to get 50% off. That's code FIRSTPITCH50 at factormeals.com slash FIRSTPITCH50 to get 50% off. Braxton Garrett is an interesting one. There are some that are, I remember actually asking the uh, playback crew, hey, uh, on chat, who do you want me to focus on first of the Marlins? I totally expected Luzardo or Perez or Cabrera. No, it was Braxton Garrett. And I get it because he had a 23% strikeout rate. And there were some ridiculous runs and people might be circling him as, hey, Braxton Garrett's a really interesting sleeper. He's going late in drafts. Is this kind of a cool thing? So you could say that his repertoire is a mini version of Cole Reagan's, which should excite you. I would imagine me saying Cole Reagan's, but but be honest, like Cole Reagan's is Cole Reagan's because he's not a mini version of himself. Um, The only reason I say that is just the five pitch mix that exists, right? You have a fastball. It's more of a sinker than the four seamer of Reagan's. But it's a cutter, and he does that really well. It does the X games of David Cohn, that is, sinkers go inside to right-handers, and then cutters come back over the plate for Garrett. Um, it's it's a cool thing when it works, uh, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, the slider is used as a strikeout offering, more of a gyro one, so it's going down, and he plays underneath that. So he tries to go a little bit elevated with that cutter and, and sinker, and then the slider goes underneath that. You have a changeup that he tries to get down and away to right-handers, and then you have a curveball for Cold strikes and then against lefties, it's, you know, he's trying to jam guys inside with the sinker and then um, going away with the the slider. So it's really a Toby because it's a 91 mile per hour fastball that is not nearly anything like Reagan's The changeup is not good. It is not a consistent offering. It's nothing like the 23% strikeout rate of Reagan's. Um, the curveball is fine early in counts. The slider is okay. It can be good. Um, honestly, over the years, honestly, I don't know why I wouldn't be honest with you. Over the years, Garrett's slider has been the most reliable. It has gone in and out through the years. And the biggest thing is command. Uh, when he had that really good stretch, uh, of three starts that returned 30 strikeouts in June, including a 13 strikeout game that was on the back of that cutter and sinker command inside to right handers where he would jam guys early with the cutter and then set up a called strikeout With the sinker on the inside corner. It's so nice when it works. It is not something that's going to return 13 strikeouts against the Pirates every single time. (laughs) So, understand that Garrett's more like a 20% Toby. 20% strikeout rate Toby. Who's good for streams. He's good for maybe a month or so. He's on a run. Vargas ruled it great. Not someone I'm circling in drafts. Can he do well out of the gate? Absolutely. I wouldn't be shocked if he had a couple early starts. We see his every April. Where there are certain guys who are exploding and doing well and having their run of the year early, and we think, oh man, this is the guy for the year, and I'm just going to tell you, no, Bryce Elder is not someone that's going to be great for the entire season. Okay? And Braxton Garrett is kind of in that same bucket. Um, Eric Cabrera is someone who I've been back and forth on, and is a major reason why I watch every single guy um, during this process in the offseason. Because... On paper, Edward Cabrera is a clear no. And you say, what are you talking about, Nick? Well, his fastball is rarely above a 50% strike rate or zone rate. Um, does not go in the zone rate, 50%, sorry, strike rate. Uh, his changeup is good, and his curveball, is breaking ball, I should say, is good. But his walk rate is like 13%. Um, and maybe even higher than that. I can't even remember at the top of my head. It's, it's bad. And this is a hipster. This is a guy who's going to look amazing at times, and then... Uh, and then not others, and it's poor execution, awesome stuff, appease, right? But a hipster being a headache-inducing pitcher stifling the entire roster, that is, the whip will be high because of the walk rate, um, he won't go long in games, and that means he's, he's very prone to blow-ups, and it's just, you know that he should be better, but he isn't consistent about it, right? But here's the thing, I I think I undervalued earlier how good Cabrera is, Everett Cabrera, when it all clicks, his fastball is legit um, when he actually locates this thing. And if he can get into like, hey, I'm just going to go high heaters with this or jam it inside. Um, sinkers inside of right handers, four seamers inside of left handers. His, his breaking ball, I want to call it a slider instead of a curveball. It's kind of interesting. It groups all together. Um, it According to us, we he, there are two different ones. But I kind of think of it as the curveball is a slider and the slider is a cutter personally. But this 87, 86 mile per hour slider is so good. I love it. And when he's nailing that thing, it is just filth McGee. I mean, truly. Um, his changeup also at 92 miles per hour is incredibly difficult to handle. Cabrera does get on the side of it often. And uh, there are games where he's just missing arm side far too much on it and cannot get an early strike with it and stuff. And that's understandable. And that's kind of what messes things up. But he does have an over 60% strike rate on it. So the way I see it is if Cabrera could just fine tune that four seamer and sinker command a little. I mean, it's really a four seamer. I don't even want to mention the sinker because honestly, you just jam right handers with that four seamer or change changeup instead. Um, if he can... Turn that pitch into a 60% strike pitch. Not even like a 65-70%. I think the breaking ball and the changeup can do enough. And we have seen in the past. Guys go from like 13% walk rates to like 6%. Mike Clevenger is a prime example of that. We have seen it before. And looking at Cabrera's mechanics. I don't see a guy that is completely closed. Um, with you know like a uh, Freddy Peralta for example. Or your uh, Zach Godley of old where it would preach inconsistency with walk rates. Um, I would say if I were coaching him and I would make a suggestion, I don't even know if this would work. But generally when I see guys who are inconsistent in uh, in locations and it means that either they're missing kind of all over a bit, it's because they have too long of an arm circle where they're speeding up and making... uh, They have too long of a distance at the end for their arm to be quick. And why that matters, if you think of like Justin Verlander, I think of like ideal mechanics of getting your arm up quicker, is the distance between the moment of the twitch, that is the arm coming over, when all the uh, all the energy you have from your foot up to your hips, to you opening up your shoulders, and when your arm is ready for that, if you shorten the distance from where your arm is to where it releases at that point, that means there's less time for it to be wrong. Uh, and the longer arm circle that you have the harder it is to be consistent pitch to pitch. It's kind of why you see guys like Lucas Giolito. He had his breakout season, same with Shane Bieber when they started making shorter arm circles. Uh, it's why we kind of were excited about Robbie Ray with it for a bit, but that's another story. Um, I do wonder if we will see that from Edward Cabrera. If there's some adjustment from that. I would pay heavy attention to Cabrera's off season workouts and see in spring, just watch him or maybe in the first week of the season Um I'm more in because I think I can make an earlier decision on Edward Cabrera than I expected. I think I can watch a game or two of him and see like, look, inning by inning, not just start by start. Is Cabrera doing what he wants to do with fastballs? Is it um, is he more in command and control of himself where he's battling the batter and then himself? And if he is, then I'm buying a breakout season. If he's not in the beginning, I think he really needs to develop this in the offseason. Because, I mean, sure, we do see in-season that guys like Edward Cabrera could alter their mechanics and make those tweaks in-season and break out. We have see that all the time. But I think for the purpose of this, especially in the offseason where I feel like it's more innate, it needs to show up early. So I'm more in on taking a chance at Edward Cabrera. Not saying like top 40 or something. But I had him much later. I had him like around seventy, I think it was, because I just felt that it was wasn't going to happen. And I'm probably going to have him in the fifties or something now. I could be wrong. That might be where I have him now, and nothing has changed. Uh, but there is a more believable nature to Edward Cabrera working out. Uh, and that, that's you know I was even talking about with Eric Smolsky on the uh, on the Corner podcast and like. Uh, I'm, I think he was more in on him. I think I'm leaning more into it now because of watching him. Um, the last four, there's really one that's like a big one. Um, and that's Trevor Rogers. Uh, I don't think you should ignore him. He had four starts this year. Uh, it was in 2023 and in 2023, it was just four. And then he disappeared the rest of the year due to injury. We just didn't really hear much about it. I, I'm not really going to tell you what he's going to be right now. Injury wise and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter. I, all that matters is, is if Trevor Rodgers is indeed pitching in the spring and is confirmed by the Marlins good to go out of spring training, all of that, uh, check if he's throwing 94, 95. Even if he's like sitting 93, 94, that's okay. I would love to see him at 94 in the spring sitting there, not hitting, um, because that's what he had in 2024. It was like 94.5, and it dropped down to like 93.5 in 2023. So I would love for him to be back with that with his fastball. What I did really like was that Trevor Rogers, back when he was having his moment in 2021, the first half, what made him work was an elite changeup, a, uh, a slider that was good enough, but really four seamers that were well-commanded. Um, and then it got worse in the second half, and he lost the feel of that. But what I liked in 2023 was he actually split up his four seamer and sinker. So instead of just kind of doing like all in the zone, whatever, four seamers had the intent of actually going upstairs and inside to right handers. And then sinkers were with the intent of going inside the lefties and staying down. And he actually avoided in those four games a lot of the heart of the zone. And I can't emphasize this enough. I love pitchers who have good enough command to do that, um, especially those that have an elite changeup. up. Uh, Trevor Rogers' changeup is has graded out positively for PLV for a while. I believe in 2022, it didn't. Um, But 2021, it did. 2023, it did. And then the slider didn't really show up in those four games. It kind of did. He changed its movement in 2022 from 2021, which I liked. Trevor Rogers had more of a gyro that wasn't really that great for him. It kind of did in the beginning of the year, but then it really faded after. And, I don't want him to have that. He has elite arm side movement on the sinker, which tells me he has a low enough arm angle that he can get some amazing sweeper action and steal tons of called strikes, kind of like Chris Sale. Um, I think that potential is there for his sweeper, especially with his arm action. And we saw much more of a sweeper in 2022. And that was a much better graded pitch. We love that with PLV. I think that can return in 2023. So, or sorry, 2024. And we only saw four starts of him. And right now, Trevor Rogers is the cost of free. So because of that, yeah, go off and get Trevor Rodgers at the end of your drafts. If he's starting in the spring, um, if he's like good to go, take a shot on this. The only reason I think he's low is because he's hurt and we don't really know what to expect from him. That is great. Uh, You're not expected to draft or sorry to hold on to pretty much everyone after like the 12th round in your redraft leagues. Right. Like, do yourself a favor and look at your team in July and August if you can and reflect on the April team. It's different in September because there's more injuries and stuff is kind of gone. So look at like July even or even June and ask yourself how many of my pitchers are still on my team at this point um, that I drafted. And you'd be shocked how many of them you moved on from. So Trevor Rogers is the perfect one where if it's not working out, he's not there or whatever it is, you just move on. But I think there is still legitimate ceiling that I think a lot of people have just kind of waved their hand at because it hasn't showed up for two years. And no, there could be something there. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, he's not going to pitch, unfortunately, 2024. Sorry. Um, and I'm not going to even talk about the 2025 discussions right now. I know what they are going to be. His value was innings and he won't get as many because he's coming off Tommy John. I'm like, I don't care. I love Sandy Alcantara for 2025. Okay. Max Meyer is someone that's going to get opportunities for the Miami Marlins. And so is Ryan Weathers. And those are the last two we're going to talk about here. Um, I watched Meyer in 2022 for his debut. And then he threw one more and then left the game due to elbow injury and got Tommy John. So there really isn't so much that I can say about Meyer. I think he should at least, you should have an eye on him. I didn't like back then two things. One, that it was a cut action four-seamer. And uh, a cut action four-seamer is not cool. Um, I, I really hate those. And the only way that those work is um if you do the Zach Gallon mentality, um where you keep it low and then you have a curveball and or change up that look like it out of the hand that go underneath. So you get these tons of called strikes at the bottom of the zone. People got people think they're gonna fall out more. They dip down a little bit when they do make contact, they miss under the bat. Think of it this way: either a four-seamer, even though fastball, you're trying to miss above the bat, or below the bat, or at the end of the bat, or on the handle. Right? You're just trying to move, miss the barrel in one of the four directions. Most four-seamers are trying to miss north because you want to miss you know the reduced vertical break. But if you have cut action, um, generally if you that means like you're going down, that means you are not going to do that upstairs because you're going to hit the barrel. So you're going to try and miss underneath, it and that's why you go low. You can also miss it, miss it, um. I guess, either east or west, depending on the handle, or where they are. Um, and if it has enough horizontal cut action, then you should play with that. So if you're righty on righty, then it goes away from the bat, then it should be away. It should be down and away is really where you should live. But the real benefit is making that into a destruction for lefties uh, of going inside uh, as a right-hander. I hope that Max Meyer does that, but to me, I don't like cut-action four-seamers. They need to have a unique approach that really relies more on the other uh, pitches in the Arsenal than like Yuri Perry's is just like, yeah, just throw the thing upstairs and you're fine. Um, Now, the other fact is that he threw 50% sliders in that game, which is honestly really cool because I think the days of 50% plus fastballs are gone, and most pitchers should honestly be throwing their secondary stuff that is off-speed, about 60% of the time, because batters are primed for 60% fastballs and 40% secondary, and it's you can take advantage of it being opposite. But anyway, Max Meyer threw these sliders that were not like your filth McGee sliders. And when I think about rookies or you know, young arms, I mean he's a rookie, two starts. They have the shag rug, right? That is that low floor because they're finding their footing. They have they're inconsistent. They're not really like. Um, you know, uh, well weathered. What's the term I'm looking for? They're not hardened quite yet. And because of that, they are, uh, you know, they're going to have more volatility. So you need to have top of the line ceiling to make up for that. And I don't think there's a element in Max Meyer's arsenal, at least before Tommy John, that was elite. The slider's really good. It's more of a foundational pitch than it is either of Perez's uh, slider or curveball, right? Neither, I, I didn't think I saw a slider that was destined to be a 20 to 25% swing strike rate pitch. So that would mean his forcing seamer really needs to do that. It's not, because it's cut action and so on. Um, I'm curious to see what we get. He will get opportunities. I'm sure there'll be new things about him because we just really haven't seen him much. It was such a small sample, and then he got hurt. So maybe he's even better because he was pitching hurt at the time, and there you go. Uh, I'm curious what we get from Max Meyer. You can circle him also as another guy that's just like, hey, when that happens, like, put your hand in that pot and see if that works out. Um, The other one is Ryan Weathers. I there is some intrigue. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but uh, his inverted vertical break numbers were actually really good in the spring um, and it didn't stick uh, for the Padres. So then he kind of, you know, showed up every so often. It was whatever, whatever, whatever. All this kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watched his last game against the Pirates and kind of good. Um, he performed well. the last day of the season, if you had a desperate play of Ryan Weathers, it paid off. Um, his fastball was 94, 95. He hit 96.7. And I'll say this. Ryan Weathers is young. Uh, we've seen this before where Ryan Weathers is going to come into camp trying to get a Rotation spot, especially if the Marlins do not sign someone else. We've also seen in the past that the Marlins are aggressive, or they will—they have been in situations before, I should say, of needing uh, more depth quicker. Right. So, I mean, Trevor Rogers—is he going to be healthy or not? Okay. So Ryan Weathers is likely to get uh, an early shot at the rotation next year if he develops in any way here, I think there actually is something interesting. The 94-95 mile per hour heater, if that can be more like 95-96, with a good approach to it, it, he was able to command it decently well um, in that game that I saw. He uh he earned a lot of whiffs on that breaking ball. I think that has a lot of potential now. It wasn't there before. When I thought of Ryan Weathers, I thought of a good fastball with a cut uh, slider that wasn't good. This is a slower one that is actually a solid breaker, the changeup can be good too. Uh, and there might be something there. Maybe he gets that induced vertical break back. He's throwing 95, 96 consistently upstairs from the left side. And that's really good. He can get inside. He can, uh, get that slider down in glove side. He can get that changeup down in arm side. It's a lot of ifs, but oftentimes I see young pitchers and I don't think that there's really much of a chance for the future. And it's such a large leap for any of those pitches to be better. Ryan Weathers, I kind of think that there is a chance that he does improve with this. The The changeup is also very interesting. It doesn't grade well with PLV because the only real good metric of it is that it's the velocity gap. But it's a large one. It's like 86 or so. It's not like Nick Martinez Estrada version. But uh, I do wonder if there's something there uh, that Ryan Weathers can really lean in on. So that is the Miami Marlins. Um, And uh, if there are any free agents, it'll be added to the end of this uh, podcast. So if you see that there's like another minute or two, that's why. Uh, And I didn't mention that guy. There it is. But I don't know if all these will be about 30 minutes long. Uh, I kind of enjoy talking about all these. So I'm going to try to make these more like 20 minutes. But um, I'm going to be going through every team. So enjoy this throughout the entire season. Uh, Make sure you sub to both the First Pitch podcast and the Plus Pitch podcast. Um, and uh, you'll be getting these regularly throughout the, uh, the next two months. But that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock, and may your bad be low and your strikeouts high.
0: Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan, backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental one com slash offer slash XM.
1: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
2: If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta SkyMiles Business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park.
1: Yellowstone, check.
2: Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know terms apply visit slash you know business
0: pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's mix things up with
2: any size lemonade or sweet tea for a dollar 49 perfect with our classic fries